Welcome to the Financial Advisors Advisor, brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners. It's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, the Financial Advisors Advisor himself, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Frank LaRosa, the CEO of Elite Consulting Partners, and I am your Financial Advisors Advisor. As always, joined with me today, my trusted right-hand guru, Dale Dempsey. What's up, brother? How's it going? Good to it's be here. It's going awesome. Good to have you back in the office. It's too long, but but that's okay. I didn't get back to like 12.30 last night. I'm a little really? tired, but that's okay. I had an awesome time. Yeah. Awesome time. Yeah, you met with what, four advisor teams? Did a So yeah, so for those that are listening, first of all, welcome to the show, everybody. We appreciate you, you, you signing in and listening in. And if you're on watching us on YouTube, what's up? You should all be looking at our YouTube. You'll be able to see what Dale looks like with a beard and without a beard. It's the, the burly Dale and the clean cut Dale. Both, both <laughs> There's equally the, the stunning. Blue, the blue right? jacket Dale and the <laughs> penguin suit Dale. I was wearing a sweatshirt <laughs> yesterday. And yeah, this is quite a dynamic. Okay. So I feel yeah. like I have cufflinks I, I, on. At the moment. I saw the cufflinks. I was. Well, these are these quite, are the, you know it's okay. these, these are impressed. the nice like it's kind of like out of the box Brooks brother. That's okay. They're nice, classy cloth. They're classy. Cufflinks. I'm sporting a new jacket today. I was totally. I'm jacket. like a kid on Christmas morning. I got my Arte Syndicate jacket made. Custom liner. Custom liner. I'm so excited. Custom pocket square. Everything. Everything. I'm not usually a pocket square kind of guy, but I'm rocking a pocket square today. All right. Anyway, good. so yeah, I had a great meeting, meetings, multiple meetings in Atlanta, three days, did two home office visits and two individual client meetings with some groups on Monday. And it was interesting. So it was like four, four different teams, practices, and they were all different in ways, but in some ways they were all the same. They're all trying to level up their businesses, right? And they're all, one of the ways they're trying to do that is growth through, you know, bringing on junior partners and, and stuff like that. And I thought it was interesting because you, you can tell a little about the call you got from a manager at a, re- a regional firm. Yeah, great guy. Really, you know, really good manager. And I think I think a lot of advisors in the area respect him. But had a, a really interesting idea for a topic, and you know, we were kind of talking about it on the phone. Dan, I apologize. I had to run. I had to call. So we'll, we'll get back together soon. But yeah, you know, he was asking. So for all the teams that are growing right now, and you're bringing on a junior advisor, you're bringing on some administrative people, how do you get them to be, how do you get them to fit in the right way? And then, and then furthermore, what are the, yeah, the subtle- success rate. Because yeah, the success rate- How do you get them to succeed, basically, because right? the failure rate's so high? It will be. Yeah, it'll be high. But how do you get it a little bit better than what it is? And then, so within that, sort of like, what are the subtle things that are not being done that should be discussed with all of those, those people who are just starting out? On your sure. team, just advisors or let's or start with staff? let's start with just advisors. Okay, now so why don't I just sort of talk broad strokes here, and we're just sort of having a dialogue about what I see mistakes that are being made. Every senior producer wants to bring in young guys, right? And generally, want to bring in young guys either to take over their D book, C or D book, or you know, to make cold calls and do the sort of the grunt work and sort of earn their stripes to becoming a financial advisor. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that if you have a decent-sized practice, you should always be looking at the next generation. You should always have some type of, even if your firm doesn't have a training program. I got was DM'd by somebody the other day, and he's uh, interviewing for, I guess, a Morgan Stanley training program and a Maryland training, training program. And if you're listening and you DM me, I'll, actually, I'll get back to you on some, some of my thoughts and ideas, just some general thoughts and ideas. But it's a great opportunity to come into this business. The problem is the failure rate is so high because you can't really cold call residences anymore. There's a lot of competition. And what are you supposed to do? As a rule of thumb now, the best way to be successful coming into the business is definitely try to be, be on a team of sorts, right? Unless you're coming from a second career, which is great. And you're going to use your, I'll call it your Rolodex, but there's some mistakes you can make there. Use your Rolodex to go deeper into your contacts' contacts. So one of the big mistakes new advisors make, it doesn't matter what age you are. Actually, you can bake this as a bigger mistake if you're second career, you're 30, 35 years old, and you want to get into financial services. Don't do this. Right out of the gate, you go right to your wealthiest friends. And you start asking them for their money. That's a huge, huge mistake. First of all, they're not stupid. And they know that you just got into the business. And no matter how smart you are in your second career, maybe you were an engineer or you were, unless maybe you were, this doesn't really qualify if you're like a CPA or an accountant, because then you were sort of in the financial services. But you're an executive at some firm and you retired, you got a nice package, and now you're going to become a financial advisor. Don't think for one reason at all that your client, those those friends of yours are just going to hand over their accounts to you. They've been working with a financial advisor for 10, 15, 20 years. And candidly, you don't want you don't want to cut your teeth on your friends and your associates because you don't really have an, a true idea of what you're doing. I was talking about this with one of the advisors I was with yesterday in the car. He has a guy that came in which is the right way to do it. And you you work in the business for a year doing whether it's financial planning, you're sort of, you're just around it. And through osmosis, you'll start to learn the language and the lingo and understand what's going on and some of the complexities of asset allocation and different SMA managers and how to identify which ones are good, which ones are bad. Don't think for any reason you're going to go start trading because you, you were an online trader, whatever, and you did it yourself. Don't make that mistake. But You start with some of the smaller accounts, and then you work your way up. It's not that you're making mistakes, but the smaller accounts are typically less complicated. So there's fewer opportunities for you to make a mistake. And so that's why I always say just don't go to a firm that wants you to go after your, you know, they're asking you for your 100 closest contacts, and they expect you to go after those people. Don't do it. It's a huge, huge mistake. On the flip side, if you're the senior advisor, and you think you're going to go out and hire two or three junior guys to come in and do all your grunt work, and you're going to leave at four, and you're going to come in at nine or 10, then you're shocked when your trainees, your junior guys don't make it, right? You have a huge responsibility to that. So if you're going to take the responsibility and bring somebody on, you owe it to them and their career and their families to give them what you would have wanted, which means set the bar. If you expect them to be there early, you should be there early. If you expect them to be there late, you should be there late. Take them out on meetings with you. Let them be on phone calls. Let them sit in on meetings. It doesn't matter how big the client is. You should 
explain to the client, hey, this is Jim. He just joined us. He's going to be working his way up to become a financial advisor. I'd like him to sit in on the meeting. Assuming you're going to be talking, you're not going to be talking about anything really, really private about with a client. You're just going to be sort of a, your standard client review meeting or whatever. Let them really be active in those meetings. Don't just bring them in and say, "Hey, I have a meeting. Go file, you know, some papers or go make some phone calls." You want to invest your time in them because ultimately you're going to get rewarded for that. And the mistake I I really see is advisors, senior advisors. Just don't look at it that way, right? They, they say, well, I've earned the right to come in at 10 o'clock and leave at four. That might be true, but you're setting the, a poor example for the junior guys. And even if you say, I've been doing this for 30 years, that's why I can come in at 10 and leave at four, they don't see it that way. Once you leave, the pace of work goes down. And so be the example to all of those advisors on the team, and you would be shocked how much more effort that you would get into it. And so I would say that's what, that's a huge mistake that, that I see. Yeah, you got me thinking now. So what about, what about referral networks? How do you, have you seen that work or fail? Or I mean, your junior advisor, do you encourage them to get their own networks and or bring them into yours or a combination of the two? I would encourage a, a younger advisor. And hold on, before you answer, I'm talking about your insurance. I know who you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> All right. Not my first rodeo. Got it. So you want to have the younger advisor. And again, we're going to define younger advisor. It's just someone new in Newer the business. Newer advisor, sure. Could be second career guy who's 40 years old. To develop their own network of referrals. Because they're probably going to be around people that are of the same age. But again, you want to know what's going on, right? Because they're out in the marketplace representing you. So you want to have an idea of what they're doing. You want to make sure that you're guiding them on how to present yourself, present the vision of your firm, your practice or firm. It depends on if you're independent or you're at a wirehouse or whatever. But you definitely want to have them form their own groups. Is there a difference between if you're at a wirehouse or you're independent and you talk about referrals? Meaning, I don't know, if you're independent and you have a like a TPA that you like to use or... Uh, yeah, because for- if you're... It depends on your on the compensation structures, right? So... Okay. If you're independent, you you might be able to get compensated for some of the referral business that you're that you're doing, and vice versa. You might be able to compensate folks that you're referring business to. I wouldn't go into it for that reason, right? I would refer people just for the good of helping the individual client. Sure. Okay. I get that. The dollars will come if you do the right thing for the client. The dollars will follow, hundred percent of the time. If you only do it for the commission, that's going to be a short-lived relationship, and. You don't want to have a, ref- a referral marketing group where the people on the other side are viewing it the same way, where they're only looking at it as a commission. Right? You want them to have the same principles as you and the same philosophies as you, and that is to help the client. You know, like, hey, look, I don't know. I'm not looking to get paid on this. I just the client's looking for property casualty insurance, and you're my property casualty guy. And uh, I told my client to expect your phone call. That's all you need to do because they'll do the same thing when they have a property casualty client that's looking for wealth management. This is probably a good segue then. So for the non-client facing employees. Okay, support staff. Support staff. What is important? What are the little things that right out of the gate as they're new, you should be thinking about to get them more integrated and be more successful? I would say, and it's interesting, I'm reading a book, The Wisdom of Andrew Carnegie as told by Napoleon Hill. It's an awesome book. And 
he actually talks about this in his book. And the number one thing he hires for, so the first thing he hires for, you would think is skill set for the given position. The first thing he hires for is mental attitude. Because his philosophy is, I can teach you the skill set for the desired position, but I can't teach you your mental attitude. If you're a negative person, you're not the right fit, and it's going to permeate through their company. So, so he hires for, for positive mental attitude. When I was a branch manager, people used to ask me, how are my trainees so successful? Not all of them. I think the industry average is about 70% failure rate. My average was about 40%, right? So four out of every That's 10. That's really good. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. And I didn't overpay them either, right? Because that, that creates a false sense of security. My one thing, and which had to do with positive attitude, was really basically if I felt like I could tell the, the guy to run through that glass wall, because on the other side of that glass wall was a client, they would do it without question. That's just sort of the barometer that I looked for. And would that person do that just because I told them to do it? Because I know what I'm talking about and they don't. And if I felt like I was going to get pushed back, or I felt like it was a person that was a know-it-all or was ego-driven and you know, wanted to figure it out their way, I wasn't interested in that person because it was, number one, they were going to fail. And number two, it would just be frustrating me. And it would take the energy that I had away from helping the guys that were doing what I asked them to do. It would take my energy away from them. So that was how I looked at it. But in terms of support staff, it's positive mental attitude. And I, I can tell you that aside from hiring the right junior advisors, your most critical hire and the biggest impact that you can have on, on your business is hiring the right support staff. That is, I mean, that is massive. If you can hire a quality sales assistant, administrator, branch office manager, whatever practice, you, what kind of practice you're running, they can hugely impact your business. And again, you want to have that person doing what you ask them to do and do it with, with a positive attitude and make sure you pay them well, by the way. You always want to make sure you, you right. pay them well. Well, actually, what, so the valuation on your business as an advisor with the right support staff people in place, it's got to be much higher and more appealing to someone who would want to come in yeah, and so be we're a successor, gonna, right? So yeah, not that we're going to go off on a total another tangent about valuations, but I, I had a call yesterday with a private equity firm that was doing some consulting with him on valuations and what, what makes up valuations. And one of the things that we did talk about was whether or not they're going to maintain the staff of the business they're going to be buying. And if, if you are buying a practice and if you're out there looking to buy practices and you have an opportunity to keep the staff intact of a quality staff, you should try to do that as best you can because your retention rate is going to be significantly higher. But the reality though is the real goal of a, of a quality sales assistant or administrator is to take care of all the non-revenue generating things that happen in your practice. So you as a financial advisor can do what you were born to do. Go out and help your clients, be in front of your clients because that's where you're making your money. And that's how you have to look at it. Does that individual have the capacity to do the things I don't want to do or take too long for me to do? And those things can be, I mean, I'll give you an example that we have, right? I do a lot of traveling. And if I were to book all of my travel myself, it would take me forever and I'd get it wrong half the time. Just ask my son who I booked, I booked his travel down to Florida and I bought a PM flight instead of an AM flight. Oops. <laughs> that was a not inexpensive mistake. But anyway, so one critical thing that 
Trish, my assistant does for me, is she handles a lot of stuff for me. She takes care of it. And so not only does it give me, I'll call it physical time, I don't have to worry about that, but it also takes mental time away off my shoulders. So it gives me mental energy capacity to focus on other things. So those are the kinds of things for support staff you want to look for. And you want to train them. You want to also give all of these people, whether it's a, a junior person or a support staff person, you want to give them a path, path of growth in your practice. People want to know that, they, that they're going to go somewhere with you. Fulfillment, transcendence. Yeah. They, they want to have a purpose. That's good stuff. Thanks for doing the Q&A today. Yeah. Hope, hopefully that we'll was helpful. Dan, hopefully that's what you were looking for. Feel free if you have any questions. If anyone has any questions about... Hey, I'm looking at hiring this individual and, you know, what are the things I should be asking that person or whatever. I'm here. I can respond via email. It's really good. DM me, franklarosa.elite was my Instagram account. Our email is frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com or dale at eliteconsultingpartners.com. As always, feel free to call us, 856-316-4651 for me, 4653 for Dale. Sorry, Dale, I went first this time. That's okay. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We appreciate the time. Don't forget to, again, smash that like button, leave us reviews, continue to send us emails with topics that you want to hear more about because that's what makes our job much easier. These conversations are really geared towards you, the listener, and whatever it is that you want to talk about. That's how we operate this. These are done on a weekly basis and they are recorded every single week and released the following week. They are topics of immediate interest. Immediate interest. Yeah. So relevance. Thanks a lot. Love you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Financial Advisors Advisor podcast with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm.